Hi everybody, this is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 87. It's now been 40 weeks exactly since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. And I'm sitting up here after hiking up the mountain at my next to upper Zen spot, my favorite place when I get a late start because the next to upper Zen spot has a wonderful shady tree that lets me relax in the shade. So you might be hearing some birds, some bees, other hikers, things like that, but it's wonderful. I'm so glad that we're celebrating 40 weeks together here at the top of my mountain because this is my favorite place to be and you are my favorite people to be with. Now, I know that I'm trying not to be externally motivated, but just for fun, I took a look at some of the podcast statistics today before I came up the mountain. And I shared this on Instagram. You know, my name there is Lori Dreamweaver, but I wanted to tell you, Compulsive Overeating Diary has now more than 40,000 downloads. So that means that lots of you have at least listened to one episode and probably it averages around 500 an episode overall. So that means there's probably at least a thousand brave companions out there. There might be a few more, there might be a few less, but for a lady who just walked out her door, strapped on the recorder and started talking about compulsive overeating, I'm so glad that I got the chance to get to know all of you over these 40 weeks and I'm hoping to get to know a lot more of you too. And the other thing that I noticed is remember in episode four where I was walking around the park feeling all pathetic and saying nobody cares, no one's listening, please do a comment would you? Well I looked at my comment list today for the first time in a long time and there is well over 1,000 comments on compulsive overeating diary.com. Wow, that's really amazing. And when you think about the size of our audience, the amount of actual participation, both from commenting and from calling the bravery hotline is absolutely amazing. So again, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing this journey. Wow, today's show is absolutely filled with the yin and yang of creativity and stressful challenge. I kind of call it the struggle and support day. It has stories and examples of struggle from myself, BCs, life situations, how to support yourself with creativity and positive thinking, how to gain from supporting others and from accepting the support of others. After we listen to our inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go by Josh Woodward and I decide what to let go of today, we'll have welcomes, thanks and announcements all wrapped up in stories as it's been a really eventful week. Then we'll explore communication and support via a story about one of my most challenging days of late with Sue from the UK supportive me on Facebook and our shared feelings about it. After Sue and I finish supporting each other, Donnie leaps into the bravery report, not once, but twice in one go. Once for calling the bravery hotline to ask for your support as she struggles with the impacts of intuitive eating on her weight. And then again, for actually being brave enough to put herself on the bravery report page on compulsiveovereatingdiary.com for all to see as she shares her struggle. Then. I'm putting myself into foolish fun mode by reading you a very short story I wrote in my writing group about an alien who fell to earth after disobeying his father. And for some of you writer types, I hope you might be inspired by this to call the bravery hotline and maybe read a snippet of your work for foolish fun. Reading your own work aloud is a great way to get a feel for dialogue. And remember, in foolish fun, that feature, messing up is just part of the act. 
Also, brave companions, you can look on the internet for jokes, puns, poems, riddles, funny words, anything that is fun for you, and we'll let you be brave enough too to put your voice on the show. It really matters. It really makes you feel brave when you do it. So I'm hoping, brave companions, that some of you will take this 40th week milestone as an opportunity to be brave and somehow put your voice on the show. You can record on most smartphones and send me your audio file. You can use SpeakPipe or call the Bravery Hotline. See the How to Send Audio page on CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com for instructions and details about all the ways your voice can be part of Compulsive Overeating Diary, the show. Finally, Brave Companion Rachel is still steadily moving through the episodes and posts on day 64 supporting Amy from Wisconsin, who had called the Bravery Hotline a while ago about a cookie incident. And Rachel is also asking us, Brave Companions, to tell her our thoughts on procrastination. Well, we've had a few of those lately, right? So don't put off listening today. Let's listen to Josh and discover what I'm going to let go of this time. But I'm letting go, I'm letting go, it's a history that never really grows, I'm letting go, I'm letting go, it's a silent wind that never really blows, I'm letting go. Thank you, Josh. I am so happy that I've got a chance to listen to I'm Letting Go now for 40 weeks in a row. So it means I've let go of several things. I don't know if I've let go of 40 things. In fact, some of the things I let go, I think I've said I had to let go more than once. And that's the way life is, right? We do it and then we do it again and then we stumble and then we pick ourselves up and then we do it again. Or we keep trying or we get a little bit further along the spiral, as I like to say. You know, we just keep going round and round and and doing the best that we can. But, you know, as you'll find out in the upcoming segments of this particular episode, I've been really struggling with indecision. So that's what I'm letting go of today. Indecision. Now, what do you mean by that, Lori? You might be saying, well, you know, it's just like when I started this show, for those of you that listened on episode one, or maybe for you new listeners who are now listening to this show for the first time and wondering what the heck this is all about, On show one, I put on this recorder, feeling fat. I had put on about 25 pounds, I can't remember now, maybe 23 to 25 pounds, unexpectedly, over six months, in a daze, and I felt really fat, and I felt really awful, and I wondered, if I talk about my feelings instead of eating, will that help me stay on my diet? That's right, I was on a diet. I was on a 1,500 calorie a day diet, And I was doing my very, very best to make sure that in those 1,500 calories, I was eating real food, food that I liked, trying not to be hard on myself. But I was on a calorie restriction diet because I wanted to lose weight. I wanted to lose fat. And it really is impossible to lose weight unless you are burning more calories than your body wants to store. I mean, there's no two ways around it. I wish I had a magic pill or a magic meditation or something that could say, wow, eat whatever you please all the time and magically drop weight. Now, even with intuitive eating, as wonderful as that is, that doesn't happen, okay? So when I started this show, my main goal, my main goal really was to get rid of that awful 25 pounds and get back down to my regular overweight. I was over my comfortable overweight, if that makes sense to you. 
But as I went along and discussed my feelings and started living my life and trying to deal with things, I started slowly over time to have an understanding that food was not really my issue. Oh my gosh, that was such a surprise. And I mean, this was really, really slow. You really have to listen to the whole thing from day one. You will hear this entire process since I talked you through it as I talked myself through it. I went through it all. I finally came to the conclusion that, yes, I absolutely have a disordered way of dealing with food and it's more than food. The disordered thinking in my life was screwing up my whole life just like it was a parasite sucking my life dry. It really was. I always thought my larger size was a problem and when I had dieted and got to thin, which I have done several times, you can go onto my website, compulsiveovereatingdiary.com, look at Lori's weight story, look at the pictures related to my weight story and you'll see really big, really thin, really big, really thin, medium, big, thin, big, big, big whatever. I've always been up and down the scale, up and down the scale ever since I was four years old and was put on my first diet. That's right. I've been on a diet since between four and five years old until I started compulsive overeating diary. And even then, maybe three months in, I can't remember the exact episode that I gave up dieting. But, but at the start, my goal was to lose weight. And I was sort of dabbling my toe into what I later came to understand as intuitive eating. Now, some of the principles of intuitive eating the book and intuitiveeatingcommunity.org, the website, are things I was doing anyway. Because a lot of the principles outlined in the intuitive eating book are also principles that many therapists have discussed with me when it comes to trying to get over compulsive overeating or later defined as binge eating disorder. And again, I'm speaking only for myself. I am not a therapist. I'm not a registered dietitian. I'm not a doctor. I'm not anybody of any kind of expertise. So everything I have to say is anecdotal and about myself and in no way (laughs) implying that you should do what I do. Okay, never. (laughs) If it sounds good to you and you want to explore things to see how it works for you, fine. But I'm telling you my truth, my story, and what's true for me. Now that I've got that hedge out of the way, I came to realize that my weight was not the problem. I still don't like having this extra weight, but it's not the problem. The problem was that at a very young age, I picked up a way to cope with things in my life that involved dependence on food for many different reasons. I am through and through an emotional eater, completely emotional eater based. If we were on the you know, scale of from zero to 100, how much of my food is triggered by food and how much is triggered by emotions? I'd say roughly at least 98% of my overeating behavior is triggered by emotional things and 2% maybe from eating a wrong food at the wrong time. For example, I can eat one piece of chocolate and not be triggered to eat a bunch more if I'm feeling well in my emotional space and I won't feel deprived and I'll feel satisfied. Now that's taken some work on my part, but it's absolutely true. So it's not true for me that a bite of sugar will cause me to all of a sudden crave a bunch more sugar. Now that was something that I thought was true, but I found out that it isn't true for me. Now I do know several people where that is true for them, that any amount of sugar will trigger 
just uncontrollable binging behaviors, just really terrible, out of control. Just as if an alcoholic was to take a drink of alcohol, they will react to it. So I was pretty surprised that that wasn't true for me. Same for grains. There are some people who, if they have simple carbs or any carbs, feel that they puff up and are out of control with their eating. For me, my body does react sometimes to carbs, but not in that way. I found as I practice intuitive eating that I tend to be hungry for carbs in the morning when I'm going to do my exercise because I exercise in the morning and so my body really enjoys it if I have a carb heavy breakfast and I tend also to have my heaviest meal at lunch that's when I'm most hungry after I'm done with my exercise and I say at then I have a pretty balanced meal and I find that in the evening I'm not very hungry for carbohydrate I'm just not that's kind of when I tend to want the broccolini and some kind of protein or a scrambled egg or something like that. And it's not because I'm on a diet. It's because if I listen to my body, as I have done, that's kind of the way my body rolls, okay? So except for things like the seafood, which I've shared with you before, I'm pretty allergic to most of it and hate the rest of it. My body doesn't have very many reactions to food but my body and my mind have horrific reactions to emotional challenges and unconscious coping mechanism and all kinds of triggers and hidden negative voices in my head and my compulsive nature, which is compulsive about things other than food. I am compulsive about lists, schedules, trying to be in control, the things about perfectionism, procrastination, all of those things that Alan talks about so eloquently in his show, Progress Not Perfection. So I have these issues throughout my life, but they manifest the most for me with my food. And so by working on my food for these issues, I am able to free myself throughout the rest of my life. I've seen the rest of my life get better as I have been working on the underlying issues. So this is a long way of saying that I kind of switched my goal from trying to lose weight to trying to cope with my life better, to treat the underlying eating disorder, to treat what's under my eating disorder, to treat the cause of what began my eating disorder, to be able to live my life better to live my life in such a way with freedom and bravery that I would not be dependent on food or my behaviors with food or my compulsions with food or using food as an avoidance of things that I want to do, an avoidance of trying for my dreams or an avoidance of people in my life. I no longer wanted to let my weight nor my food behaviors speak for me. I didn't want my food to say, I'm really pissed at you for having these expectations of me, or my body to say, I'm scared of you, so don't get close to me. I didn't want all of these compulsive behaviors to get in the way of me living a life that's authentic for me and getting to know people as the real me. Because if you like me, I want you to like who I am, not my mask. And that's been very tough because all my life I felt I'm not good as I am. One, I really put in at a small age that I am bad because I'm fat. And I've gone through this over and over again on the shows, but this is just really in my DNA that I grew up believing that if I'm big, I am bad. And anything that I do to become bigger means that I'm a bad person. 
just as if I were stealing or hurting somebody, that for me to gain weight was very bad and me being big was very bad. And then I got all kinds of rebellious thoughts and screw you thoughts about it and I'll show you and I'm gonna be as big as I want and all kinds of other issues around that. But that is really deep, deep, deep down inside me, these kinds of things. And to make up for it, right, because I'm like, you know, in the movies and the TV when you got the fat chick friend and all that crap, she doesn't get the guy usually. <laughs> she usually has all the wise cracking one-liners and, you know, they show her stuff in her face with something and, and making self-deprecating remarks and has the smiley face and she's the one that the pretty thin girl goes to to talk about her love life and all that kind of crap. Well, that was me. I was the smiley one, the helpful one, the one who was grateful for any relationship, whether it was a romantic relationship or a friendship, because I was so astounded that anyone in the entire world could like me. So that just gives you an example, not to make you feel sorry for me, because now I'm feeling pretty darn good, but, but that's an example of the kind of unconscious and weird thoughts that were triggering my eating behavior. And once I started to uncover these, I realized that my problem was not chips, my problem was not ice cream. My problem was I needed to rebuild my esteem. I needed to rebuild my courage from the inside out. And to do that, I slowly began to embrace the principles of intuitive eating. And for me, that has really been pretty successful. But the downside of really embracing intuitive eating is one of the principles is you have to put weight loss on the back burner, and I mean way on the back burner, such as you have to come at peace within yourself that I don't care if I never, ever, 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 ever lose weight, and even if I gain weight, because most people do gain weight when they begin working through the principles of intuitive eating if they're like me and had any kind of compulsive eating, binge eating, or even bulimic behavior around food. That is more usual that you will put on some weight, especially at the beginning. And it is possible that your weight will then stabilize and for some people will even go down. But that process, if at all, can be years in the making. So. If you're really going to be upset by the fact that you put on some weight, it's not a great or comfortable thing. Now, as I've said, I see all these great benefits for me of working through intuitive eating. I know that I still weigh over 200 pounds because the last time I got on the scale, I weighed 208. It's now been well over three months since I stepped on a scale, and my size is pretty much exactly the same. Mark told me that last night. I said, well, Mark, what do you think? Am I the same, bigger, fatter, or what, since you know we last got on the scale? He says, no, I think you're exactly the same. You've been about the same size for all these months. And so I know, since my clothes aren't hanging on me, that I'm not less than 200 pounds. And I know, since my clothes aren't very tight on me, that I'm not much more than 208 pounds most of the time. The Marcus commented, Lori, I think you go up five to 10 pounds just from water gain, from heat, and you know if you eat salty foods because you puff up like a fish some days and then a couple days later you're back so you know overall i'm pretty much staying the course at this moment but in my heart of hearts i still kind of was wishing that oh, okay now i got it my weight is stabilized and now it's time for that magic part where my weight will come down with me not having to be on a diet in the meantime 
some of not only brave companions, but some brave companions and some people in my real life who were kind of dabbling with me in intuitive eating decided that the weight gain or the issues with their weight was too much to bear and went back to eating plans. And that is something that one can do. And again, I'm not saying that's bad or, you know, that's wrong. That's what you should do. You know, if really weight is your issue, if weight is your concern right now, going on a diet and eating plan may be a better fit for you to address those concerns. For me, that's not really true. But because I've been a diet binge eater for 50 years, hearing about this and seeing some of these kinds of things going on, gave me doubt, gave me self-doubt, like, well, maybe I'm on the wrong path too. Maybe I'm just fooling myself that intuitive eating is working for me. Maybe I really should limit what I'm eating. Maybe I should jump ahead and start really caring more about my nutritional needs versus my emotional needs, like my therapy is calling for. Maybe I should, you know, do that. Because in the end with intuitive eating, you do get to the place where you start allowing yourself to make more nutritionally based choices once that doesn't trigger you anymore into diet mentality. But that might be down the road for me to be comfortable with that, right? That, I got a lot to work through, but I really, really started doubting myself and I really started giving myself grief and weighing the pros and cons and making lists and thinking it through and thinking it through and thinking it through what we call rumination right that's another word for indecision like kind of like buyer's remorse right you go buy the car that you buy and then you say well maybe I shouldn't have bought this maybe I should have got an electric car maybe I should have got better gas mileage maybe I should have really gone for the convertible maybe I should have done this and you torture yourself with a done deal I've done this with relationships, I've done this with jobs, I've done this when I pick my dinner at the restaurant. Maybe I shouldn't have ordered the chicken, maybe I should have got the ravioli. Man, what Mark has over there, that looks pretty good. Maybe I should have had that. Look what Steve's having, maybe I should have had that. Because I'm always second guessing myself and not giving myself confidence that I know what's best for me. And I realize, brave companions, that this is a really strong post. This is a real strong pillar of exactly what caused my eating disorder, that this is a real strong part of my interior that I need to address, that when I make a decision, I need to stand by it and tell which time as I feel that it's time to change, right? I don't say just because you pick something, you should stay that way forever. But for now, brave companions, I have decided that intuitive eating is the best path for me, that it's more important for me to deal with my eating disorder issues and to live a freer life, no matter how big I am or how big I may get. That's the way it is for me. And if in future I find out that I become way bigger and I can't stand it and I can't tolerate it and I'm unhappy from it and I'm more unhappy than happy, then I will reevaluate and make a new decision and hopefully I will stand by that one proudly and say to you, brave companions, this is the decision I'm making now. This is the new path I've chosen for myself. I'm going to go down it a little further and see how it goes. And if I need a new path, I'll change my mind. Until then, I stand behind myself. I stand behind what I've chosen. This is who I am today, and this is what I'm going to do. And I love how that makes me feel.
that was a lot to get off my chest. Wow, I really let go of a lot of things today. I feel so much better. I'm really happy with that one. So sorry if that was kind of, no, I'm not even going to say sorry because I'm not going to be sorry for telling my own truth. There you go. I'm glad I said it. I'm glad I feel it and I feel confident in my decision. So it's time now for welcome and announcements. Usually, Brave Companions, welcome, thanks, and announcements are pretty brief these days, but, I've given, but I'm giving fair warning here that there are lots of stories around today's batch, so they will take a bit longer than usual, but it's fun stuff. So while I understand those of you who usually fast forward through these announcements, I encourage you to maybe stay the course today. First, a great big welcome to our newest Brave Companion, Carrie, who posted this message to me on Facebook and also gave permission for me to share it with you. Hi, Lori. I am Carrie. I friended you on Instagram yesterday. I've been lurking on Compulsive Overeating Diary for a while, and I'm catching up on podcasts. I plan to post my story on Compulsive Overeating Diary soon. I love your podcast and look forward to your episodes. Still catching up, though. I decided to send this message to you instead of heading for the cookies. Way to go, Carrie. I love it. So, brave companions, please post your welcome to Carrie on day 87, and she spells it K-E-R-R-Y. So again, welcome Carrie, K-E-R-R-Y, on day 87, and be looking for her story on the Who Are the Brave Companions page. Carrie, you are on the bravery report for contacting me instead of stressful cookie eating. Brava, Carrie. Well done. Next, I want to give a big thank you to Donnie and Cheryl for posting comments on my guest post of Dr. Nina's blog, Make Peace with Food. I appreciate it for several reasons. Number one, you know how much your participation and encouragement does for me. But I know that all bloggers, but I know that for all bloggers, comments go a long, long way in encouraging their hearts that the effort that they're putting in is worth it and appreciated. And I'm proud that you two stepped up not only to encourage me for that post, but to encourage Dr. Nina as well. And Brave Companions, I want to tell you that Dr. Nina is an amazing, well-known psychoanalyst who specializes in treating eating disorders very similarly to intuitive eating. She devotes much time making resources she makes available for free to help as many people as possible. She has her podcast, When the Diet War, videos on YouTube, and articles she sends when you join her email list. She also devotes tons of time to her private Facebook group, which I participate in myself. So I'll post these links again today and encourage you to check her out. Unlike me, she is a certified therapist and a really neat lady to boot. Well, I guess that part's like me, but I'm not a therapist. Dr. Nina is. She is a professional. I'm not. I'm anecdotal. She is someone who knows what she's doing, okay? (laughs) Number two, you know one of my desires is for new brave companions who may benefit from finding us to easily find us. When you participate by commenting when I guest blog on a topic of compulsive overeating, then it encourages other people that have blogs to ask me to do the same. Your comments in marketing speak mean, quote, audience engagement, unquote. You guys are more valuable than gold. Of course, I think that of you comments or no, but in growing a presence online, comments are the highest proof of audience engagement. And that helps me to book talks, write guest posts, or be known as a peer expert, and to push our message of support and acceptance out further to this body judgmental world. Three, it's just whopping big fun to read your thoughts. <laughs> okay, so thanks again, Cheryl and Donnie, for stepping up to the to the post on Dr. Nina's blog. Thanks, too, to you amazing Amazon shoppers. Hooray! 
You know how I laugh about the pennies trickling in. Well, I finally, finally, finally got enough from all these months of pennies to meet the minimum for Amazon.com to pay me. Hooray! It's only been about five months now, and Amazon pays a couple of months after the fact if you meet the minimum. Well, I finally did, and $21 and some odd cents came flying into my checking account because of you, my kind BC friends, who have been clicking through my Amazon link on the website for your country before buying your Amazon goods. And that, BCs, is another month of media hosting that doesn't have to come out of Mark and my retirement budget. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks, too, to the new coffee clatcher who supported this show with a one-time gift and one other new coffee clatcher who decided to subscribe and support the show on a monthly basis. Kiss, kiss, hug, hug. Between the coffee clatchers and the Amazon shoppers this month, I am more than halfway to breaking even on what it costs Mark and me to produce this show and to pay for the blog. Excluding my time, of course, because I can't afford me. <laughs> but anyway, we really, really, really appreciate it. You are actually getting Mark's attention that maybe, just maybe, this show is important to you. You know, brave companions, how you woo me with your comments and calls, as well as your incredible donations. But you definitely woo Mark's respect with the almighty dollar. Next, I've been pondering how I can expand my brand like Alan did when he moved from quit binge eating to progress, not perfection. And I decided that bravery is my thing and I want to become the bravery coach. For now though, everything is going to remain the same, compulsive overeating diary, the show, the blog, everything. But for future and just in case, I bought the URL for thebraverycoach.com so I can design it when I get the time. And I'll probably put my ebook store there, etc., things like that. But I also wondered if the bravery coach was available as a name on Twitter. So I made a second Twitter account since I don't want to give up Adventure Lori on Twitter. And guess who my first follow was? Taylor Swift. <laughs> that made me laugh for sure. All I can figure out is that Taylor's peeps auto-follow new Twitter accounts. I like her, so I followed her back. What the heck? Next, I followed myself. Yes, Adventure Lori loves the bravery coach. Adventure Lori will remain my main Twitter account with all of my regular updates and hijinks. The bravery coach I'm using to try and post at least once per day a bravery saying that might encourage you to be brave. So the bravery coach is purely for bravery. Adventure Lori is for every other thing in the world. And sometimes Adventure Lori even, even retweets the bravery coach if the bravery coach says something amazing. Anyhow, my third follower was Karen, Garden Girl. So thanks, Karen, for that. And number four was none other than new brave companion, Carrie. Yay! So the bravery coach is now up to four followers. <laughs> what I think is most funny is me following myself. So someday, maybe I will retire Adventure Lori. But for now, that's how I'm going to keep it. Adventure Lori for everything else. Bravery, that bravery coach for bravery sayings on Twitter. Next announcement, I've been blogging a bit more of late, partly because between singing, voice acting, and writing group activities, I'm just not recording as many shows. So I've been writing my thoughts instead when I don't have time to get up the mountain like I am today. So now is a great time to remind you that you can sign up on compulsiveovereatingdiary.com in the box that says subscribe to post via email. Your name is not required for this one. 
When you sign up, you get email notifications every time I post a blog post or a podcast episode, and the emails contain a synopsis and links to access that post right from your email. My last two blog posts were really pretty powerful for me and generated many great comments and discussions from BCs. They were called Trusting the Mirror, Photos, or Your Heart, and the latest one was called Weighing My Life Without a Scale. I'll put links to both of those blog posts on today's show notes on day 87, and you can also access all of my blog posts by going to compulsiveovereatingdiary.com and clicking blog post index from the main menu. There you'll get a complete list of all my blog posts. But before I move on to Sue and my bad day, I wanted to also mention the other email list you can sign up for. That's right, there's two. There's the one I just talked about where you are signing up for notifications of blog posts on Compulsive Overeating Diary. But the second list is for receiving special communications from me. You can sign up for that one further down the page on CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com where there's a place to fill in your name and your email under the title, quote, Join our email list for special topics, unquote. This is my MailChimp email list. The two things are completely separate. My special topics email list receives letters from me and first looks at things. For example, I sent that list, the Bravery Report, first to review it when I was thinking of putting that up on the website. And yesterday, I sent them a PDF of the short story I wrote that I'm going to read for you later on in the show. So think of the special topics list as the extras and Easter eggs of Compulsive Overeating Diary. So if you love to be in the know, then sign up on CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com or go to my show page on Facebook and click on my cute cat tiger's face where it says sign up for our email list. And I promise you, I don't send things all the time, just now and then. And it's always something different, like a recipe, a poem, a video, a PDF, that kind of stuff. And by the way, all the files like PDFs and videos are hosted on MailChimp's servers. They are not attachments to the emails, so you don't have to worry about viruses or your email program stopping the email from coming through. And if you need to add the address to your spam folder, all emails coming from my email list come from me, Lori at CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com. Well, wowzer. That was a lot of welcomes, thanks, and announcements, but there has been a lot going on with me. Some of this involves some soul searching, and some of it involves some struggle, and Sue from the UK got tangled up in it while trying to encourage me on Facebook. So without further ado, let's explore that story. Okay. Last show on day 86, I shared my latest trouble with the robot aliens and my own doubts I described at the opening about my intuitive eating journey that began during a day when I was procrastinating and covering up my feelings. Now, I post some of this on Facebook and Sue had encouraged me on Facebook on this day, little knowing until she heard that episode that I was at that moment in time on a downhill slide. Now, after Sue heard that episode and heard how I was on a downhill slide through my procrastination and the pressure I put on myself, all of this I explained on episode 86, she posted this concern on Facebook. Oh, Lori, I hadn't realized that something I said might have led to such a difficult day for you. It is so hard to give ourselves permission not to do something and have fun instead. Why do we feel so guilty for pacing ourselves? 
I've had so many issues with poor health over recent months that I have had to take one day at a time or even an hour at a time. Getting the balance right between doing things that need to be done and doing things that help me regain energy is difficult. However, I have been challenged to find things that for me have a spike of enjoyment slash pleasure. I was so sorry that Sue felt responsible. Boy, are we both people pleasers here, are we not? But we both mean very well. And anyway, here's my reply to Sue. Oh, Sue, please don't think for one minute that this is true. Oh, Lori, I hadn't realized that something I said might have led to such a difficult day for you. My negative feelings were already swirling around under my conscious thoughts. That's why I was procrastinating. But I just didn't have awareness of my issues. Your statement actually was caring and on point. But I understand why you are feeling bad, because I would be too. Here's the thing. Your kind statement in no way triggered my binge behavior. What people say, good or bad, and yours was definitely good, are those people's thoughts and issues. Why I do what I do or how I react is my issue. And I didn't react to what you mentioned except to have more of a fun day and to release my inappropriate guilt for not doing what I didn't even have to do. My body had wanted another rest slash refresh day, and if my compulsive mind had been on vacation, all would have been well. For the record, I didn't start the eating behavior until many, many hours later, and it was my mind that did the deed, my mind that tied me with guilt feelings due to insecurities, and my mind that turned to food for comfort and to get away from inner discomfort. Your statement was not my binge trigger at all. I was already whipping that up on my own. If anything, you may have well caused the binge to be less by making me stop and think what I really wanted to do that day, hugs and kisses. And I'm also so sorry, brave companion, that Sue's been having health concerns that are keeping her from enjoying all that life has to offer at the moment. We've all been there, and it sucks. All you can do, Sue, is as you have done, focus on what you can do and find joy in as many places as possible. And know this, that you, Sue, are for sure one of the very bright spots in my life. Next, Brave Companions, I am so impressed with our friend and fellow Brave Companion, Donnie. She bravely steps up and calls the Bravery Hotline to discuss with all of us her inner struggles with intuitive eating and the urge to fall back into dieting. Hi, Brave Companions. This is Donnie. I'm just calling to say hi and let out a little bit about what's in my head. I'm really kind of stressed out. I stepped off a scale for my job. It, it said I weigh 190 pounds, so it kind of freaks me out. I could have got on the scale and not looked at the number. I chose to look at the number. I didn't need to, even for my job. I, I could just not look at the number. I chose to. I regretted it as soon as I did it, but at the same time, I was kind of glad that I did because it kind of made me aware. I'm fighting off the urge to, to jump right back into the diet, to count points, to weigh myself, to cut back, to start going into deprivation. I don't want to because I know me well enough know that what's going to happen is I'm going to go right back to the diet health prison. Although I feel very elated about my relationship to and with food and eating, and I feel like I've done a lot and prepared a lot, I don't think that it's been long enough that I wouldn't go right back into that deprivation state. I don't, I just don't feel prepared yet. And so I ask myself, are you satisfied with your life? Is your quality of life good? Yes, I'm happy. I'm loving life. I'm doing things my weight is not hindering that, but I do have the fear that I'm going to go back. It's really weighing on my mind. I, I don't want to go back into dieting, and so I'm just fighting it off right now, and I'm trying to be mindful 
make mindful choices. I know I've made some poor choices, and I also know that I've been eating out a lot. And no matter what choices you make when you're eating out, you, you're suffering the consequence of eating out because you never know exactly how the food is prepared or what's put in it or that anything is equally measured out or whatever, and you're probably eating a lot of calories that you don't even realize you're eating. Hi, Brave Companions. This is Donnie again. I don't know what else I said, but I just really, I guess what I'm trying to do, I'm trying so hard to rationalize how I feel physically and mentally. What I'm doing and how my relationship to and with food and eating has improved, etc., against the animal brain diet mentality rebel little bitch that lives inside of my head that says I should weigh a certain number or fit in a certain size of clothes. I, I have to look at my quality of life. Are, are you satisfied with how you're living? Well, yes, I am. I, I I enjoy what I do. I'm starting to do more activities because they're fun, not because I feel like I have to work out and get my burn on. Some days I don't work out, and I'm okay with that. And, and that's where I want to be in life. I don't want to feel like you have to, you have to, you have to, because if you don't, you don't lose weight. You know, listening to my biofeedback, listening to – you know, okay, so you're going out with your friends today, so a workout's not going to fit in. This is not going to happen. You know, body weight, appearance, aesthetics, BMI, it's just, it all sucks. And it's the diet mentality, and I, I want to get away from that so bad, and I'm fighting it really hard. I'm asking myself, do you have energy? Yes. Not too much exercise, but enough. I'm, I'm not, like, stopping exercise, but I'm still doing enough. You know, my quality of sleep has improved immensely since I kind of started the intuitive eating process. Like, I'm not waking up in the night anymore, and I'm not sleeping so restless. And when I do wake up, I really feel rested. And so I'm just, I don't know. There's so many pros, and there's so many good things that have come of it, but then there's that number. And I just am trying really hard to fight that diet mentality, and it's just not the easiest thing I ever did. But thanks for listening to me, Brave Companions, and being supportive and encouraging and and understanding. And it feels really good just to know that I have somewhere to go where people just could understand. Thank you, Donnie. Going through some of these struggles myself, I know how hard that was to record. I recommended Donnie put herself on the Bravery Report for being so honest with us, and more importantly, being so honest with herself. And she did. Here's what Donnie posted. Putting myself on the bravery report per Lori's wonderful urging for being honest and open regarding my life's journey through fighting the diet mentality and facing the dumb mental box and trying to remain confident and not feeling like a super failure from regaining some weight. I'm trying really hard to remember that I'm still a success. I feel good. My quality of life is good. I'm happy. Just a wee bit fluffy. You know, it makes more difference than you know to post your true feelings on compulsive overeating diary. After Donnie posted, Pat had this to say. Donnie, I'm so happy that you shared about not being in the diet mentality. As I was reading your post, I had a light bulb moment, a vision of myself in a family situation, not thinking about diet, only about what I needed to eat so I could have energy. That is huge for me. So brave companions, please go to the Bravery Report page and support Donnie there too. And while you're at it, why not think of a time you've been brave and put yourself on there too. Celebrating the brave parts of ourselves really, really, really helps build esteem and courage. Why not give it a try? 
You can find the Bravery Report on Compulsive Overeating Diary by going to compulsiveovereatingdiary.com slash braveryreport, all one word. Next up, I thought it would be fun to take a break and put myself in foolish fun to have some fun because one of the things I've been doing is going to a really cool writing group. It meets every two weeks and all we do is write. I mean, literally, we don't talk about writing, we write. What we do is we go to a restaurant and the people who wanna eat, we eat. Then we have various kinds of writing prompts and last week we had dice with different pictures on them. We rolled the dice, whatever the pictures were, we wrote a story about it. So we sit down, heads down, and we write longhand in a notebook for 30 to 40 minutes, then we put our pencils or pens down and read our stories to each other. That's all it is, out it comes, no time to stop and stew, you get your prompt, off you go to the races, you're right like mad, and this is the story that I came up with. Lori <laughs> <Lore> presents <laughs> Foolish Fun. <laughs> <laughs> the feature where messing up is just part of the act. <laughs> Griffin, a story based on story cubes. I got shooting star, keyhole, alien face, and crescent moon. Griffin shivered while tentatively shifting his weight on the ground. Gingerly, he lifted his damaged hip and stuffed the stolen t-shirt under it, making himself somewhat more comfortable as he lay on his back in the growing darkness of the quick frost forest. At least, that's what Griffin called the barren lot between ramshackle houses in the gasping town that had once been home to rough-and-tumble lumberjacks who drank hard and were as liable to smack an Andromedan across the head with a sturdy bat as they were to fight each other bloody over pancakes or barmaids. Quickfrost had been the closest thing to the name of Griffin's homeland that he could pronounce in this strange language that cut his tongue like red-hot needles. Quickfrost was long beyond his grasp or memory now. It possibly had been eons since Griffin had turned the key in his father's sacred lock and tumbled through the silver portal into hell. Well, at least the burgers weren't bad. At Quick Frost, beans ate only droplets distilled from stardust, converting energy directly from light to form and back again, flying, swirling together as shimmering patterns in the atmosphere before reforming briefly to hug or mate, or perhaps to tell the news as a lark using physical forms and outdated sounds under the tender stars. Griffin had always gravitated to the physical. Father often frowned and admonished. Andromedans were energy, Form was forbidden to young ones. Form was locked behind the sacred door. Form was but a memory of the people, a lost relic, a barbarism, a tale to scare one another with as the nebulas exploded at the turn of times and families shimmered together as pulsating lightness and love. Griffin, you no account son of a bitch! Ah! A boot to the back. Master had found him again. Prayerfully, Griffin raised his eyes to the stars his form lost consciousness, and the light faded from his reach as his heart flew home. <laughs> and if you love to be foolish too, call the Bravery Hotline and 
enjoyed hearing about Griffin and his adventures. I tell you, I was absolutely floored that Griffin turned out to be the alien because when I started writing, I thought Griffin was a little boy who was going to meet an alien, but you just never know where the characters are going to take you. So it really is fun to go into that creative mind space. And I tell you, absolutely, when you're in the middle of creative mind space, there is no time to be thinking about chips, Cheetos, ice cream, or any other thing. You're in a whole different world and it feels fantastic. So however you're creative, if you are an artist like Stephanie from Quebec, or a writer like Cheryl, or a musician like Suze, try to do something creative and have some fun because that is the number one tip I have for if you've been having trouble with robot aliens instead of friendly aliens like Griffin, if you've been having alien trouble, go find some creative outlet and just give that a try. That is really fun for me. And you know, because those story cubes were so fun, I bought some myself and I'll put the link to them, to the various Amazon sites on today's show notes in case you'd like to have them. And as a former school teacher, I have to say, I would recommend this as a fun thing to do with your kids or grandkids because it would totally, totally stimulate their inward creativity rather than sitting around you know watching video games and stuff this is a fun thing and i know my students when i was a school teacher would have had fun with these story cubes okay we're going to wrap up this 40-week milestone show with brave companion rachel Rachel is still listening her way through the episodes and posted on day 64. She raises a timely and interesting question about procrastination and also supports our wonderful Amy from Wisconsin who had been brave late earlier on to call the bravery hotline about a cookie crisis on day 65. So that's another reason I wanted to put this in the show, Amy from Wisconsin, is to support you with the support that Rachel provided by posting on day 64. Here's what Rachel posted. Still listening and catching up. Husband at football, so had a whole afternoon to myself with time to listen and complete outstanding tasks and housework. I love it when you are with me, Lori. Chores don't seem so long and are much more enjoyable. Not much to watch on TV or listen to on radio, so it fills a gap there. Would like to congratulate Amy for speaking on the bravery hotline after a cookie, or as we would say in the UK, biscuit binge. Not an easy thing to do, as is such a secretive condition where we tend not to share with others. I would say at least you showed awareness and stopped with one to go. That is excellent progress, and the key is not to berate yourself, like you said, so as not to start the process again. Because you binge to take away the self-hatred and disgust, it breaks the binge cycle. The more you practice, the better it becomes. So well done from me. I wonder if this is a topic for discussion or thought sometime. I find completing tasks really hard, especially when I perceive them to be difficult. I know procrastination is linked to self-esteem and perfectionism, but I also find that like today, everything is an effort and I'm resenting the regular chores such as washing, changing the bed, cleaning and cooking. I am not a domestic goddess by any means, but there are regular things we need to do like ironing and meal planning, otherwise I will not be ready for next week. I am really resenting this today, but know if I do them, then it will leave time to do more enjoyable things like sewing and making Christmas cards. I wondered how everyone else tackles this problem. I usually make a list and have learned to address the item which I 
have the most resistance to first. But sometimes my brain won't even work to do this. Overeating ensues as I feel bad about myself for not having done it. Does that sound familiar, Brave Companions? Isn't that exactly my trouble on the last show when I thought I should be editing and I wasn't? Anyway, back to Rachel's comment. The other thing is getting caught up in getting things out of the way and then not having time to do other long-standing tasks. I think the key here is to do things bit by bit. Say, for example, make one Christmas card at a time rather than aim to make all 30 or, set out, or to sort out one piece of post. I know this is linked to high expectations of myself and perfectionism, but does anyone have any suggestions or tips to tackle this? Thank you so much for your honesty again, Lori. It's really making me think about my own life and core beliefs, so many similarities. The other thing is that the clocks have changed and it really affects me. I am now feeling tired at 5 p.m. because this is when it starts getting dark. Plan to go to bed early to counteract this, but only after I binge first. What's that all about? Keeping positive, all the best. So, brave companions, do you have some thoughts about procrastination or time changes that you can share with Rachel? You can reply to her comment directly on day 64, and I'll put a link to it, or you can post your thoughts on today's show, day 87. Or even better, if you've been putting off calling the bravery hotline, why not put off procrastination? Call today and put yourself like Donnie and Amy from Wisconsin and Helen right smack onto the bravery report. So until next time, my courageous, brave companions, take good care because I really, truly care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. And there I'll sit, I'll admit that I was only just a guest inside my skin. And by the dawn, I'll be gone and won't be holding on to anything again. I'm letting go. I'm letting go. It's a history that never really grows. I'm letting go. I'm letting go.